This is Collins John, and you are listening to Fulham Focus Podcast. Welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is Matt Boisclair and the Whites are a point richer, albeit a player lighter, for the next game after what was in the end a hard-fought and decent point in South Wales on Friday night. Before we go into all of that, a massive thank you is due to Collins John for opening the show. The Dutch international made 108 appearances for the club, scoring 23 goals. At 18 years old, he burst onto the scene with four goals in his first three games, becoming the club's youngest Premier League goal scorer at the time, only better by Sessegnon last season. Only five players have scored more Premier League goals for the club and not many have scored a goal quite as memorable as his Van Basten-esque volley against Middlesbrough. Collins John, we salute you. Fulham. Bettinelli failed to show a good stiff fist. A big strapping Serbian smashed one in before Dirty Harry flopped. And joining me to talk you through it, firstly is Eastbourne's king of innuendo, Matt Dom. Long time no speak, my friend. How are you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Love the intro. Pleased to hear it. Okay, good. And there was lots of time wasted by Fulham on Friday night, which disrupted this man's plans at least until midnight. Hashtag until midnight. It's Matt Baldwin. (laughs) Keep that stuff in the group chat, I keep telling you. (laughs) (laughs) How was your weekend of sport in Cardiff, mate? Oh, it was was absolutely lovely. Results aside, it was a glorious Welsh weekend. Absolutely glorious. Stocked up on Welsh cage, which will see me through for the next couple of months so it's all good it's all good for me okay so on to the game on Friday night then as we anticipated on the show last week Stefan Johansson's start against Southampton meant he was on the bench for this match which gave Harrison Reed his first Fulham start how do you think Harrison Reed got on in in a midfield which for most of the game included the defensive nature of Harry Arter uh Baldo to you first um, I think I think Harrison Reed did did somewhat okay. It's the defensive midfield role. You really don't want to hear their name or see them come up all that too often because it means they're making mistakes or they're making constant fouls. So the fact that you know he sort of had a bit of an anonymous game is is probably a good thing. Uh, he you know linked up play pretty well. He did relatively well in keeping Cardiff's attack. Well, I was going to say somewhat at bay, but totally at bay up until the last couple of minutes. So yeah, overall, not uh, not not a bad start, but yeah, not a bad not a bad start. Certainly could have been better, but it could have been a lot worse. Okay, and Dom, do you think that Harrison Reed and Harry Arter can both play in the same team together? Yeah, that that was kind of my thinking. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. It seems as if uh, whereas Harry Arter before previously has been the kind of the one shielding the defence. He was more playing the Johansson role and I don't think he was as good at it. I thought um, that was Hariata's worst performance for us, um, you know, red card aside. Um, Harrison Reed, he was okay, drifting out of the game. I thought he looked a little bit lightweight uh, up against Cardiff, but not many teams are kind of as thuggy as they are. So um, he, he'll probably be okay in, against other teams. Yeah, and he'll, he'll probably keep his place in the next game for sure anyway, won't he? Now um, now Harry Arter's going to be banned. But we'll, we'll come on to Harry Arter and uh, the major talking point involving that guy a little bit later on. Just before half-time, Cardiff took the lead. Josh Murphy's fired across bets. 
Um, it's a question we're asking every week at the moment. Should Betts have done better with that effort and saved it? Because for me, he definitely should have done, but I think he was almost deceived by the, the bounce. It kind of bounced right in front of his hand and, and flipped up really quickly, but I still think he should have saved it. What do you think, Baldo? Yeah, I, I, yeah, he could have done better. I think, we, as you said, we seem to be saying this more or less every week. Bettinelli could have done better. But, you know, at the same time, I would like to put some level, not not blame, but question on someone who's had quite a good start to his time at Fulham is, is uh, Stephen Stephen Sessignon and the fact that he was, you know, was allowed. He, uh, Josh Murphy was allowed so much space, and he, I, I don't know, this was something I've, you know, watching watching it live. Was he just, you know, just out of position? Because I only I only got one look at it. I haven't had a chance to see the highlight yet because it's been a busy week. Um, was he just out of position, or was he just beaten to the ball by Josh Murphy? That's something I, I just want to throw throw open. Well, I think it's quite clear at the moment, and we've we've talked about it before. Stephen Sessignon isn't your traditional right back in the same mould as Ryan Fredericks. He doesn't he doesn't bomb forward and overlap, but he kind of he kind of inverts, doesn't he, and steps into that defensive midfield role. And he was he was on the halfway line where he would normally be when the when the play was kind of where it was. Um, but it was just an excellent defence splitting pass from, I don't know who, who it was that played him in, um, but it completely took Stephen Sess out of the game. What, what do you think, Dom? Yeah, it was, it was Aidan Flint, wasn't it? Which is um, a huge surprise coming from a player like him. He's just kind of a burly centre-back. Didn't know he had that in his locker, but uh, I don't know. There were a couple of minor mistakes, I think, that led towards that goal. I think... Um, I think it was Mawson, wasn't he? Put the pass in a bit of a dangerous area. Cavallari should have been quicker to um, control the ball and see Flint coming to to take it from him. Um, and yeah, I think Cessna was slightly out of position, but it was it was sort of we were about to start an attack, and that's that's where he ended up. And as for Betts, I think he should be doing better there. Um, I don't quite know what it is, but he seems to he seems to kind of get his feet in the wrong place and. He, he sort of it wasn't in the middle of the goal the shot and he he was at full stretch but still only got a, a, a palm to it so it's kind of weird he sort of he doesn't plant his foot he kind of moves across and then dives out of the way really and it, it's kind of it's kind of weird he, he does do that quite a lot um but having got to it I thought he should have done better um but then it might have ended up like like the one a few minutes before that where he just sort of pushed it back into the danger zone so um you guys know my thoughts on Bettinelli. I, I think we can do better, but um, you know he's he's not doing badly enough to to drop him just now. Do you not know, think? I think I think some people would say it's an opportunity, or the opportunity for Marit Rodek isn't going to be too far away if if he keeps letting goals like this in. What do you think? Could could Marit Rodek be our number one in the next few weeks? Uh, I think in the next couple of seasons, but I think it would be really harsh uh, to drop Bettinelli now because. I mean, let's face it, he's letting a few goals in, but not every keeper in the league would have would have stopped that, I suppose. Um, it, it was a good goal and it kind of caught us by surprise. I don't know. It's hard to know whether Rodak's better at this point, and I think it's a bit risky throwing him in now. I guess we just haven't seen enough of him yet. Exactly, uh, yeah. Rotherham fans will, will, be able to, will be able to talk you through how good he is better than we can. But for me, if the, all the goals he's let in so far this season, that's, that's the one that's annoyed me the most. I, I really think, having got down to it, he should have he should have saved that. But all right, so we went we went behind for long. Uh, a couple of minutes after falling behind, that man Mitro turns up in the right place at the right time. He started the move on the edge of the box, played in Kearney, who tiptoed around it, pulled the ball back for Cavallero, and and then kind of 
Cavalero's played it into the danger zone and Mitro's just there to tap it into the empty net. Five in five now for Mitro. He's an incredible player at this level, isn't he, Baldo? Yeah, absolutely. And we 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 sort of all knew that this was was coming from Mitrovic. We knew that when when we came down that he was going to be such an important part of it. And you know, when he when he's good as he as he is now, five and five, he's good. But there were some stages during the game where you know I think we do need to credit Neil Warner for this. But he was incredibly isolated and had to go looking and had to go looking for the ball. So it was slightly was slightly an off performance from him. But when you need him. He only pops up with that, you know. You can't really um, say too much, but yeah, too much, too many negative things about him when he keep when he keeps uh, when he keeps scoring like that. Yeah, ultimately his job is to stick the ball in the back of the net, isn't it? What do you think, Dom? What Mitro at this level's amazing, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he's the best striker in the league. Um, he, I think he had a really tough game. Uh, those two centre backs of Cardiff, uh, Morrison and Flint. I mean, he's not going to come up against a harder physical battle I don't think all season um and for a large part they they were on top really they they you know man to man he kept as as Baldwin said he kept having to drop deep that meant um there were the wingers were kind of dropping deep as well and for a lot of the a lot of the game you know the the, the pitch seemed really big I thought it was kind of kind of strange and when we had the ball in their in their half it was sort of you know 40 yards from goal and we couldn't really threaten them with it um so yeah, they they were they were very good defensively, but all he needs is that is that yard of space, and he'll put one in the net. Um, so he he kept going, and that's that's what he is, isn't he? He's he's never going to give up. Yeah, yeah, we've said it so many times before, but we're so lucky to have him, and um, and we're reaping the benefits of the fact that he he did sign that new contract. So hopefully the goals will keep coming. Okay, so the second half then is the the major talking point and the turning point of the game. We said last week all eyes would be on Harry Arthur, having been on loan at Cardiff last season. And of course, he gets his red card. So the first one for me was definitely a yellow card. And, you know, if the if the guy had left his foot planted to the floor, then it could have been a straight red because it was it, he wasn't in control of that tackle. He, he just went sliding in and, and, you know, really took the guy out. Um, the second one did look a foul on Arthur. But for me, it's the way he's gone over that made it look like it wasn't a foul. Scott Parker said after the game, if he's touched, then it's a foul. And he's right. And he probably was touched. But just the way that he's taken a couple of extra steps and then thrown himself to the floor and rolled over just made him look stupid. With that in mind, he was probably unfortunate to get a, a second yellow card for me. Um, but I can I can certainly see why he's got it. And the Cardiff supporters who had been giving him dog's abuse for most of the game were all over that immediately, off, off, off. And, of course, the referees sent him off. So, Baldo, you were at the game. How did you see it? Well, I sort of didn't get – I didn't get a very good look at it, uh, no, at first hand because it's right down, it was right down the other end from, from where we were. So, it, it all sort of came about – I didn't know what any what, what was happening sort of live. I had to, you know, look at Twitter and look at, look at the uh, group chat to see what was going on. So I only saw what sort of happened from the replays. And, you know, from the replay, we can't 100% know whether or not he was, whether or not there was contact. Apparently there was, but I don't want it to sort of be seem like I'm excusing diving, which I'm not. The way he reacted to it was shameful. You know, we don't, we don't want that. I think that's what really sort of, what, what hurt him, what sort of, Gave, gave it away somewhat. If he'd have just if he'd just gone down straight away, then maybe there would have been something. But it's the way he went down and sort of give 
put the emphasis in the referee's mind that he's sort of play acting here. And the way he went over to the linesman as well, sort of slamming, slamming his hands on the ground again, not ideal in that, not ideal in that situation. But yeah, so it's a, it's a bit confusing. I, I know a lot of people were talking about, is this something the VAR would have been able to overturn? I'm not 100% sure because I'm still not 100% sure. And I don't think many of us are what actually happened. Yeah, I, I think you're right as well. His, his reaction was quite petulant. What do you think, Dom? Another second yellow card deservedly? Well, I mean, I can't tell. Was it was it frustration that he didn't get the decision? Is that why he went down? Was it was it like was it sarcastic? Uh, it, it almost looked like it was a kind of all right then. If if uh, if you're not going to give it, give the foul, then I'll throw myself to the floor, kind of thing. Or was he? I don't think he was actually trying to win a free kick. So that's that's kind of the annoying thing about it in, in a way, is that it, it was so unnecessary. So just what are you doing? Uh, you've got you've literally just been booked about it's about a minute before that for yeah, a nasty well, tackle. Yeah. Uh, as you say, there was a potential it could have been red. Uh, he he let the occasion get to him, I think. Um, and you know he's he is he is that kind of player. He's he's thirty odd now, isn't he? So he's not going to twenty nine thirty. So he's not going to change. We just have to get used to the fact he might get sent off a few times a season. Um, but it was silly because I think we probably would have gone on to win it. Yeah, we were certainly in the ascendancy at that point. But yeah, it's, it's completely cost us and it's completely changed the game. And it was backs against the wall stuff really for the rest of the game, wasn't it? Um, one thing I did notice in the aftermath of all of that, in the, the melee where all the players were surrounding the linesman, Tom Kearney was nowhere to be seen. Um, Baldo, as captain, do you think it's Tom Kearney's responsibility to be going over and pushing the players away from the officials and saying, this is my place to deal with this? Or do you just think that's not in his nature to do that? Um, no, I don't think... You're right there. It is, it's, you know, I've been of, of the opinion you know, for many years that the only person who should speak to the referee is the captain and the person who's involved in the incident. That's just always been me, mainly because I've you know, I come from a somewhat rugby background, so that's just been what I've what I've grown up with. So yeah, absolutely, it should have been it should have been Tom Kearney and Harry Arter and no one else um, doing things. So, yeah, but in terms of Tom Kearney's captain, I've never seen him, and he doesn't really come across as a vocal a vocal captain. You know, in the in the you know the Roy Keane, or you know going going back the days, Danny Murphy, even Brader Hanglin and Aaron Hughes to an extent. He 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 comes. He's he's you know a best player captain rather than best leader captain. So it we and we've discussed we discussed this last year and I'm sure the year before that. You know whether or not Tom Kearney was you know is the right choice to be captain and I'm I'm still not a hundred percent behind it. But at the same time, we don't really have any real leaders out there. We have Mitrovic, but do you want him in a in a position of authority? Given how hot headed he can tend to be at some stage. Um, but he was stages. there though, wasn't he? Know. He he was there um, remonstrating with the officials. But my point is, okay, exactly. But hang on, but there's the thing, Mitch, Mitch remonstrates. You know, he remonstrates with the officials rather than you know talking to them, calming them down. That's my thing. He's a bit of a hothead. Whereas you know, I think Tom that's Kenny, a myth. I don't agree with you that Mitrovic is a hothead. That's the reputation he came to us with. Uh, he had a couple of red cards, I think, in Newcastle. But he doesn't get booked that much. He doesn't. He's not a dirty player. He hasn't been sent off for us, has he? As far as I'm aware, I don't think he has. He hasn't. He hasn't. And I, I don't think he's that kind of player at all. He's passionate, and he gives his all, but he doesn't. 
he doesn't take it out the wrong way. So yeah, I, I, there, I would disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Like I said, we haven't seen we haven't seen it at Fulham mainly because he was you know under uh, whole well, lot I mean, of times we... under Jakanovic who seemed to who seemed to come down a burn. Well, we haven't seen it since da- Jakanovic either. Hang on, David De Gea with Man United last year when he goes up and you know squares up to Mitrovic or Mitrovic squares up to De Gea. Well, well I thing. mean that I'm, I'm I mean sorry, every, every player's probably done that, right? I was gonna say it's not an every week thing, but there is the potential for it. It, you know, bubbling up in bubbling up inside him. If you see what I'm getting at, I, I guess so. But I, I think um, I think he channels it well, and I think he he channels it into his football, and that's why partly why he's such a good player for us. Yeah, but okay. So getting back to the original point about Tom Kearney, though, um, whether he's you know whether you agree with him being captain or not, that is one situation for me in which we should be seeing Tom Kearney go and take the lead. Um, not necessarily pulling the players away from um, from the referee and the, the linesman, but going and leading those those discussions rather than not even turning up on the on the site. He, he wasn't there at all. Anyway, so Knockhart was replaced by Stefan Johansson with twenty minutes ago, um, and as Johansson came on, he's handed a note to Tom Kearney, presumably with with some tactical instructions, and Kearney stood there reading them. Um, if a professional footballer can't verbally explain tactical information to another footballer when he comes onto the pitch. What chance do people like us have of making head nor tail of it? So that's probably why we're struggling to make head nor tail of the whole Mitrovic, Tom Kearney, linesman official thing. What do you think, guys? Um, I know it's not a major talking point or anything, but it's just something that struck me that you don't often see a player, a substitute running on and handing the captain a note. It just seemed a little bit amateurish to me. Unless there was some sort of diagram on there, you know, how he wanted you know the team to set up in certain formation and you know with arrows pointing to who makes runs to different places is my is my thought. You know, I, I you know everyone knows the famous Paul Ince thing where we just wrote shoot on on his notepad a couple of years ago and he was back by boss. I don't think it was anything that simple. I'm sure it was a lot more complicated than we're than we're trying to give it credit for. So that's that's my only real suggestion, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I can't admit, you know, in a Chinese whisper sense, you know, Scott Parker says to Seven Johansson, OK, we're going, you know, 4 3 2. And then it gets to Seven Johansson telling Scott Parker, OK, we're going 4 2 3, sort of thing. I can't imagine it being that situation. I can only imagine he's done it for a certain purpose rather than being lost in translation, sort of thing. Yeah, I don't doubt for a second that he's done it for a certain purpose. I, I just, it just struck me, as, <laughs> struck me as bizarre. Screw you. That was a fine point I made. <laughs> yeah, I weirdly didn't, I didn't find that, I don't know why, it's weird now we're talking about it, but at the time I didn't think there was much in that. Um, but listening to you guys, I think that is, that is a bit of a strange thing to do. It's not something you see very often. Um, Frenchy with his tin hat on. I think he's trying to make something. But, nothing. Then I was thinking, what, what if he'd what if he'd written something down for Tom Kearney, and then Tom Kearney had pretended to drop it on the pitch, and then Morrison had picked it up, and they'd got our <laughs> tactics all wrong. That would have been Warnock, quite good. But, but um, maybe it just maybe it just said Warnock's a bell end on it. Or something. <laughs> Scott, Scott Parker's crazy sense of humour. <laughs> Don't concede. <laughs> yeah, but, but then what did he do with it afterwards? Do you reckon he just screwed it up and threw it on the pitch? Tucked in his sock, I reckon. Maybe, maybe. No, I reckon no, no secret agent start. He swallowed it, so no one can see it again. 
<laughs> leave it, leave it, Dom. Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> ten, so ten minutes to go, and on comes um, Abubakar Kamara for Caballero, who was starting to tire. Um, with our back somewhat against the wall, did you think that this substitution was a sensible one? Do you think that Scott Parker had one eye on nicking a winner still? Um, in the end, it turned out to be a bit of a nothing change in the end, but I would just be interested to hear your thoughts, Baldo, on um, on what the th- thinking was behind that substitution. Yeah, the substitution, it's its sort of... Um, it was it was sort of weird to me. The fact you bring on Stefan Johansson for um, Anthony Knockhart indicates, you know, a defensive substitution. You know, you know, defensive midfielder for winger means, OK, we're down to 10 men with however many minutes it was to go. Let's shut up shop. Let's try and take the point. But then you go and bring on Kamara for Caviero, which which would indicate, you know, fresh legs. Let's go and attack. Let, let's try and nick something. It was, a, it was a bit of a weird combination of substitutions, if you ask me. And then Maxine Lemarchon came on in the last minutes for someone remind me who it was. Kenny. Was it Kenny? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. it. Because the whole... Booked for giving the armband everything. That's right. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it was a weird combination of all you know, all three substitutions. It didn't just didn't make sense to me. You know, if we were one nil down, I would understand, you know, bring on Kamara for his usual bull in the china shop performance. Maybe it goes good, maybe it goes bad. But it, it, it was weird for that to come after the Stephanie Hansen coming on for anti knockard substitution. Just 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 a personal one for me. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the I wanted AK to come on. I thought at half time it looked like we needed him because as we were we were talking about earlier, there was there was a kind of big amount of space behind their defence that we weren't able to get into. And I thought uh, bringing him on might uh, give them something to think about, and maybe they would step off a bit and not not push us up so high. Uh, so I thought there was a, there was a good time to bring him on, but but by the time he did. I don't know. Maybe the thinking was if we if we can get the ball and we can hit him on the break with his with his pace, but um, he didn't really have much of an impact at all. Um, the Lamarchon one makes sense, I suppose, because then we've got extra defenders. Because at that point we would we just wanted the point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Parker does seem to make his subs too late. That's one of my main criticisms about him. Um, and I think I think if he'd have done it early, maybe half time or sixty minutes before the red card, then we might have been able to do something. But um, but yeah, it, it sort of seemed like he was just using the substitutions for the hell of it by the end. Probably just to waste time. I mean, right right at the end of the game, we arguably should have had a penalty, shouldn't we? Mitro was rugby tackled to the the floor when Stephen Sess was crossing the ball in from from the right. Um, I guess the only the only reason. It, it, it wasn't spotted was because it was such a crap cross from Sessignon that kind of went to the near post, but the back post blokes all over Mitro. Yeah. I do wonder if that's no, one of those interpretations of the rule. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know in American football, whenever there's a pass interference and the ball sort of way over there, they sort of, they sort of wave it off because they say the ball is uncatchable. And I don't know if that's maybe the same t- situation here. You know, American football, ball... that clears it up then. Exactly, perfect. Um, but yeah, if the ball had gone towards Mitrovic and that had happened, whether or not we'd have got something, or I don't know, was Mitrovic in you know tangling as much? You know, like we've seen the penalty area, was it six or one half a dozen of the other? So even if the ball had gone to the back post, we still may not have got it. I think, I think it, the the referee must have been looking at the ball, 
and had it had it been closer to Mitchell, he probably would have been looking that that direction. And I think it's as simple as that because I don't think it's six to one half a dozen to other. It looks to me like he's climbing all over him and pulled him down. Uh, um, so I don't know. I, I don't know the rule, but I thought even if it's off the ball and you pull someone down in the penalty box, isn't that doesn't that count it's as a, a penalty? Yeah, it's, a yeah. it's definitely a foul. Uh, it just it couldn't have been spotted. That was. That was the way I saw Should it. Should the anyway. ref not be looking at what's going on in the box, though, like that they do at corners? You, you'd hope so, but... Because yeah. obviously... the linesman had that side of the pitch, didn't he? But he true, was... true. All right, so you guys have mentioned it already, the whole um, Kearney coming off uh, for La Marchand, and Kearney's gone over to Mitro to hand over the armband, and he's just helping him on with the armband. Wasn't really taking the piss, I didn't think. Um, and then the referees come over and booked him, and... Um, Kearney visibly said pathetic and I loved him for that I thought that was fantastic because it was pathetic um, I guess we were time wasting a little bit to run the clock down but when you look at how uh, Forest antics last week for example and how much time their goalkeeper was given to to take goal kicks it just seems that there's not a great deal of consistency being applied from game to game on on time wasting all right Last week against Forest, they added eight minutes on. I think this week's they added six minutes on. But, you know, do the do players have to be booked just because they're not sprinting off the pitch all of a sudden? I don't, I don't remember that rule being announced. No, I think that one, I think that was pathetic. I mean, the referee, in my opinion, had a had a really poor game uh, overall. Not not the art of thing, because I think we, we all agree that, that that should have been a red card because it was silly of him. But he he really let the crowd get to him, and obviously Colin Wank is there on the sideline all the time, in the fourth official's ear, going, you know, give him a car, give him a booking, and and they got away with. I think that, I think I looked at the stats in the, the game; it was sixteen fouls to eight, and they had one yellow card, and we got six. So, I mean, you you get we're getting booked for every foul. Obviously, some of them were time wasting, but it's not quite right, is it? Yeah, there's, there's, it's just one example why does the captain really need to wear an armband in, in all seriousness? Like, isn't this just one of the things that modern football could do without? Like, we know who the captain is. Well, like, why do, why do we have to have this ceremonial passing over of the armband to whenever the whenever the captain comes off? It it, it is ripe for you know for t- for a time wasting opportunity in fair. Okay, well, there that's you go. a that's a fairly decent point, I suppose. Um, yeah. I don't know who. So obviously, if, if like Baldwin said earlier, if, if it was just the captain and the player who was involved that was talking to the referee, then the referee could quickly see who the captain was. But doesn't really need to know who it is, does he? The way the way it is at the moment. So no, yeah, so, so we start that. Baldwin, do you want to start that on Twitter? Get rid of the <laughs> yeah. armbands. Well, it, it, are there any other sports in where a captain wears an armband? Seriously, I can't think of any. There isn't. They don't. Why? Why is it? Why is it football? I know we're getting onto a wholly, a wholly different subject here. I know, but it, d- d- now you think of it, isn't it a bit weird for the captain to wear an, for, to have an armband? It's a bit weird. Well, if anybody can think of any sports in which a uh, captain does wear an armband, then Paul with telephone I specific, number. I specifically, I specifically mean armband here. I'm not talking about the ice hockey with the C or you know, or. Well, what's the difference there then? Well, that, that's just a patch. On the right. Okay. So <laughs> Doesn't count. So, then. so, you, so you can't you can't transfer it over, is what I'm saying. Or American football have a C as well. I'm talking strictly with an armband here. What about handball? What in hand? What I mean the sport of handball? The sport of handball. Yeah. Do they have an armband? 
don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I feel, like know, we might be off, feel like we might be it's, getting off topic a little it's bit. The, I was it's just... the international break. Isn't this the time where we're meant to talk about everything <laughs> but club football? Aren't we just getting ahead of the trend here? Well, I was just about to read out your mobile number. So it's 07. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, in the end, given the circumstances, we take a point, wouldn't we? A decent result in the end, I thought. And we showed a different dimension to our game after going down to 10 men. Um, in spite of having 69% possession overall. Um, happy with the point, guys? Yeah, definitely. I think there's, there's a time we would have lost that, for sure. Um, so it was good to see us um, with a bit of shithousery. Yeah, g- yeah. given the circumstances, I would have taken the draw. You know, I would have wanted to win and thought we would win at the start of the game, but given how things played out, yeah, may as well. Happy with the draw. Why not? Why not, indeed. Point at Cardiff's always a good result anyway. I don't know quite how they're going to end up this season, but they're a physical side and we've gone there at the start of the season and we've earned a point. It's, a, it's definitely one point gained rather than two lost anyway. All right, so let's come on to a Scott Parker rating then. I, I think he deserves quite a lot of kudos for, for his post-match interview. I, I thought he handled himself quite well given the circumstances. Full win out of 10, Scott Parker against Cardiff away. Um, six, personally. I think it, it was something that Sky Sports pundit on Friday, and I forget who it was because it was a great point, said that Scott Parker has a plan A, but he doesn't have a plan B. And that was evidenced, you know, perfectly on Friday night against Cardiff. So yeah, the fact that he's still got a lot to learn um, just was just perfectly on the show there. So I'm going to give a six. Okay, and Matt Don? Didn't everyone say that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Didn't everyone say that about Slav as well? He got us promoted. So um, I think if your plan A is good enough, you don't need a plan B. But um, I'd, I'd give him a seven um, because we could have lost it. Um, but, you know, we had enough of the ball um, to so that they couldn't really threaten us very much with their attacks. Um, and I'd just like to see us attack a bit faster when we get to the final third, really, um, and create a few more chances. But I'm sure it will come. Uh, so I'll, I'll give him a seven. It's interesting, actually, that Scott Parker acknowledged after the game that we start quite slowly in games and and that we need to change that. Um, If we could get a couple of goals in the first half, then when we go down to 10 men in the second half, then, you know, maybe maybe it doesn't matter so much. But um, I think I'll give him a six as well. I'd like to see us go on the front foot, both home and away. I think we're good enough to do it. I don't think we need to sit back and soak up pressure. I think... I think we should start straight away um, and get in, get in teams' faces and start passing them off the park and creating opportunities as well. Um, so that's my thoughts. But as I say, um, it's a good point away from home and um, we've got a couple of weeks now to dust ourselves off and, and go again against West Brom. All right, yeah, guys. No, I, um, sorry, sorry, I have one more thing. I was going to say, on, when, you, when you mentioned his, uh, his press conference uh, after the game, I thought... Um, it was I hadn't seen Scott Parker like that. He was obviously defensive about the questions that were being asked about him, but but he was he he showed a lot of passion and like he, he like he really really cared about getting that result. And um, he he warmed to me a lot in that because I know a lot of people have said that they don't think he he has the passion for the club and he's you know he's waiting for another move somewhere else and we're just kind of a testing ground for him, but. But I thought, um, yeah, I thought he did really well, and I was, I was really delighted to see how, how much he cared. 
Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of the the Charlie Austin interview that, he, that Charlie Austin did when um, when Southampton had a, when he had a goal disallowed last season on a yeah, much lower level. Like That's right. Yeah, much much <laughs> um, lesser extent, but it was kind of along those same lines. Yeah, it's good good to see. All right, should we have a quiz? Fulham. Okay, so it's Danny Boy's quiz time. Um, Round one is the Mickey Adams Promotion League Table Challenge. Um, Okay, you get six guesses each. During the season we were promoted under Mickey Adams in 1996-97, we shared a division with five clubs who we went on to play in the Premier League. In contrast, there are currently eight clubs in League Two this season who were also in the division when we were promoted. Taking it in turns, you've got six guesses each to name those 13 clubs. One point is awarded for correctly naming the five Premier League clubs, and two points is awarded, or sorry, two points are awarded for being a bit braver and taking a punt at the current League Two clubs. Right, lads, how well do you remember the 1996-97 teams that we played against? Um, I think I was nine. Or Sorry, eight. I didn't. I, I didn't ask you your fucking four. history, mate. I just asked how well you. <laughs> the answer is not very well. So, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, have a go. So you get a point if you can name the five clubs who we played that season, who we then went on to play in the Premier League, and two points if you can name the clubs that we played that season that are still in League Two. I'm coming to you first, Matt Dom. Have a go. Okay, I know one for sure. Uh, Wigan. Yep, yeah. yeah, we played Wigan in the Premier League, so that's one point to you. Baldo. Um, I was four at the time. I've never known any of this season, so I'm just taking a guess. Um, Rikey. Um, uh, let's. Yeah, let's. We played the Let's say Cardiff. Why not? Take a stab, Cardiff. We did play Cardiff that season, and that's a point to you because we played them in the Premier League as well. Okay, back to you, Matt Dom. Uh, I I think Hull must have been down there at that time. Hull were there. We did the double over Hull that season, 3-0 away and 2-0 at home. That's a point to you. Played them in the Premier League. Second guess for you, Baldo. Huddersfield? We did not play Huddersfield that season. Huddersfield were in a higher division than us. Back to you, Matt Dom. Third guess. Is it the the teams in League Two? Are they currently League Two? Or yes. yeah, is that what oh, I don't know if they are, but I'm going to go with Torquay. No, Torquay are non-league now, mate. Oh, they are, aren't they? Yeah. They are. No points there for you, I'm afraid. Baldo, chance to pull yourself back level? Um, Frankie, let's say, who would we have played? Um... Currently in the Premier League, who's now? Not who's nec- no, the... not necessarily currently in the Premier League, but whether we played. Oh, them in we the Premier played League. them in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. oh actually, I'm going to I'm going to keep the same line of thought. And you know what? Let's say Brighton. They were terrible around that time. Let's go with them. They were, mate. We did play them that season, and we beat them two nil at home and drew nil nil away from memory. Darren Freeman missed a sitter from underneath the crossbar. That's a point to you, mate. Fourth guess for you, Matt Dom. Uh, it's getting hard now. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> King of innuendo. Oh, um, King of innuendo. 
Just, just trying to get some thinking time. Uh, let's go with I think Swansea were were kind of in and around the bottom few leagues. Yes, so. they were. They were. You get a point for that. I'm just trying to remember. We beat them away two nil maybe, and then beat them at home two one. Paul Brooker scored in the last minute after we we've, we've been playing really badly uh, throughout kind of winter, and that turned it back round in our favour. That win. So, point to you, mate. Fourth guess for you, Baldo. Um, let's go for another team that was terrible. Would be um, uh, Let's say Watford. I don't know. Were they good back then? No, no, they were in the league above us. No points there, I'm afraid, my friend. Fifth guess, Matt Dom. Um, I I can't remember if this is this is this team's good time or not but Bradford no mate we didn't play him that season ah damn Aldo guess number five for you um uh, no no I I can't even think of teams um that is a problem it is like who was good and who was bad in the mid 90s uh, let's say no, not them. Scunthorpe. Oh, he's got, a two, he's got a two-pointer. He's got a two-pointer. Oh, Scunthorpe down in League Two now. They are. They are. Wow, that's a fall from grace. I know oh. we did the double over him that season, um, but I can't remember the score. Maybe two-one at home and four-nil away or something like that. Anyway, uh, guess number six, Matt Dom. Go for a lower league side, mate. Otherwise, he's, he's think, got you in round one. I think I've got to. Um, so I think I think these went up last year, last season, and I think they were shit back then. So Leighton Orient. Correct. Two points, mate. Well done. One all draw at home. Paul Watson scored against Peter Shilton and away from home, 2-0. And that was a cracking day. That was the Terry Angus day when he was up in the stands conducting the crowd. Cracking day out of Brisbane Road. Okay, Baldo, last guess for you in this round, mate. Again, just trying to. Uh, I don't even. Know, I don't even know what division they're in now. But I'll take a guess at Cambridge, maybe. Cambridge. Oh, another two points. Well done, mate. They are in League Two at the moment. Beat us in a pre-season friendly this year, didn't they? Annoyingly. Did um, they? They did. Oh yeah, that was that was the behind closed ground. That I was thinking of Oxford. That was it. No, that was yeah. We played them both, didn't we? Of course we did. Yeah. The academics. Um, Cambridge, we beat, I think, 3-0 at home and then we beat them 1-0 on the last day of the season and were pipped to the bloody title by uh, by Wigan. Right, so Matt Dom, in that round, you scored five points and Baldo, you scored two, four, six points. Well done. I'll just read out the uh, the other answers. So the five teams that we played in the Premier League were uh, were Wigan. That season, they finished top, beating us and goals scored. We played Swansea, who finished fifth, Cardiff, who finished seventh, Hull, who finished 17th, and Brighton, who finished 23rd. They just stayed up on the last day um, and sent Hereford down, I think. The teams that are now in League Two, uh, or or still in League Two, not necessarily still in League Two, they might have moved around a bit in the last 20 20 years or so. But um, So you've got Carlisle, who finished third and came up with us. Northampton, who finished fourth and came up through the playoffs that season. Cambridge finished 10th. Mansfield finished 11th. Colchester finished 8th. 
Scunthorpe finished 13th, Leighton Orient finished 16th, and Exeter City, who finished 22nd. Um, did you know, despite being just 23 seasons ago, it's sad that seven clubs in that same league table as us in 96-97 are now either non-league, dissolved or reformed after dissolving, which puts a perspective on Friday night's draw in Cardiff. This could have happened to Fulham if it wasn't for the legend that is Mickey Adams. Uh, Chester City dissolved in 2010. Scarborough dissolved in 2007. Barnett are in the Conference Premier. Hartlepool are also in the Conference Premier, as are Torquay. And Hereford United dissolved in 2014 and were, were reformed by supporters under the new name Hereford FC. They're currently in the sixth tier playing in the National League North. Same with Darlington, who dissolved in 2012 and reformed. Um, Lincoln, Rochdale and Doncaster are the other three clubs that season. They're currently in League One. Right. Okay. Information overload there, but there we go. All right. We're on to round two. Dom's on five points. Baldwin's on six points. Let's go. It's Focus Fortunes. It's five guesses each. Off the back of our trip to Wales to play Cardiff on Friday night, and given the fact that it's now the international break, plus we have Wales' number one fan on the show in Baldo, we thought it's only right that this week's Focus Fortunes be to name the last 10 players who are registered as English to score for Fulham in all competitions. Sorry, Baldo. Okay, does that make sense? So the last 10 players who are English to score for Fulham. Going to be back and forth. And I'm. by the way, you haven't answered. I said, does it make sense? Does it not make sense? Perfect. It does. It makes sense. Good. Okay. Right. So this time I'm going to start with you, Baldo. So an English player to score for Fulham. So we're going for the last 10. So Tom Kearney's got to be in there. He would be if he was English, but he's Scottish. So oh, no points for you. I was going for him as well. <laughs> well, let's go for yeah. English players then, shall we? Yeah, yeah, I, I will now. I will. <laughs> I think Ryan Sessignon's definitely English. Ryan Sess is English. Well done, mate. One point. Baldo. Oh, I don't... I'm still getting. I'm, I'm not going to get over that for a while. Um, Christ, Joe Bryan, I think scored for us in the Cup in Millwall last year. He did, mate. He did. Well done. Balls. Point to you. Ah, oh, this is not easy. Um, has Alfie Mawson got a goal for us? No, he has not. Damn. damn. Okay, third guess for you, Baldo. That was my last line of thought, and now I'm now I'm really buggered. Um, Christ. How many years? How many years do we have to go back? Um, Matt Smith. Matt Smith is on the list, mate. Well done. Point to you, Dom. Back to you. Scott Malone's English, right? He is. He's on the list. Well done, mate. Nice. That's a point to you. Baldo, guess number four for you. Oh, God. No, not him. I think I, we maybe have to go back even further. Um, Scott Parker. Well done, mate. That's a point to you. Oh, that's a good shout. Guess number four for you, Dom. Christ. 
Uh, Matt Target score for us. He did. Well done, mate. Yes. He's got one away at Bolton in the promotion season. Well done. Point to you. Last guess for you, Baldo. If Scott Parker's in, I reckon one of them might be Corley Woodrow. Oh, he's called it. Well done, mate. Excellent shout. Point for you. Last guess for you, Dom. If Cordy Woodrow's in it, <laughs> then I'm going to have to go with Steve Sidwell. No, Steve Sidwell. No, just a bit before. too far back, mate. Too far back. So, the full list were... And this, you'll kick I've got one now. Tommy Cliff. No, he's not on the list either. Oh. <laughs> don't think he ever scored for us, did he? He did. Ton of chips. Bristol goal City. Against Bristol City. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. You'll kick yourself over this one. Callum Chambers. What? When yeah, beauty. Score? Volley. Well, he scored a few. He got one at home against Chelsea. He got the volley against Brighton. Okay. Well, last year wiped it from my memory, so that's yeah, fine. Pro- probably for the best. So you've got Callum yeah. Chambers, Ryan Sessignon, Joe Bryan, Matt Target, Shay Ojo, Scott Malone, Matt Smith, Corley Woodrow, Adeniran. Is that how you say his name? Oh, Aden, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Now yeah, Everton, no. isn't he? Yeah. Is he? Legend. Yeah. Okay, and Scott Parker. So, they're your ones. Um, the ones... And it's Adeniran. Fucking hell. Yeah. That would, have been, that would have been Leighton Orient away. Oh, of course, yeah. Of course it was. Yes. Um, and Danny's put close but no cigar to Rowan Ince, Luke Garber, Tunnicliffe, Ben Pringle and Jamie O'Hara. And then we've got another caveat, not close and couldn't even light a fag, let alone a cigar. Darren Bent. Why? He was <laughs> fucking shit. Okay. Right. So at the end of that round, um, Dom, you had an extra three points. So you're on eight in total. Baldo, you got four that round. So you are on 10 points in total, mate. Okay. And we're going into the last round. It's the guess the player round. Um, you all know the drill here. If you guess it from fact number one, you get eight points. Fact number two, seven points. Fact number three, six points. So on and so forth until fact number eight, where you get one point. Okay, so call out as soon as you think you know. But if you call out the wrong answer, you're frozen out and you don't get another guess. So fact number one, this is for eight points. This player is five foot eight tall. Anyone? Okay. Fact number two. He was born in Europe in 1983. Europe. Fact number three. He made 144 appearances in all competitions, scoring four goals. Okay. Fact number four. Fulham were a Premier League side during this player's six seasons at the club. Six seasons at the club. Fact number five. He was signed by a fellow London Premier League team. Fact number (laughs) six. He was loaned both in and out at Fulham during those six seasons. He was loaned both in and out. Stop. Ah, oh, no, he wasn't, was he? I've got to say it now, though. Go on. Um, I don't think he's right, but uh, Boa Morty. 
Okay, you're frozen out with Boa Morte on question number six. So you stand to score three points, which would get you the win if that was the right answer. Fact number seven. <laughs> he was a direct replacement for Steve Finnan. <laughs> I'm sitting comfortably now. <laughs> and oh, fact number on. eight. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Four goals. No, 83 as well. It wouldn't have no twenty two. You know, I think I, I guarantee Matt's got this wrong, so I can have a free I can have a free stab at this. Was it Moritz Volts? So Moritz Volts, you're saying uh, fact number seven, which would get you two points. Okay, the last one, fact number eight. He scored the fifteen thousandth Premier League goal at Stamford Bridge. Congratulations, Bordeaux. I forgot the four goals thing, you know. Yeah, that's why I was a bit surprised when you said Bowen Morte. I've remembered 144 and I thought that might, that seems a bit low, but it might be him. But, you know, yeah, well played, well played. Well played, mate. You've got 12 points to Matt Dom's eight points. Okay, good stuff, lads. Thank you very much. All right, it's the end of the show. As ever, thank you to Baldo and to Matt Dom for joining me and to you guys for listening. Annoyingly, there's a break for some international games now, so there's no Fulham game for a couple of weeks. With this in mind, there's no regular show later this week, but instead Danny Boy's audio interview with Collins John, who introduced the show, will be out on Thursday morning. If you already subscribe to the Fulham Focus podcast, then it will be delivered directly to your podcast app of choice. If you don't, then let's get that sorted immediately. Links to the interview will be all over various social media accounts later in the week in any case. There'll also be a written Q&A out late, uh, on Tuesday, actually, with legendary goalkeeper Mike Taylor. So be sure to watch out for that as well. The next regular show will drop on Thursday, September the 12th, where we will return with a chat about a very special ex-player and a preview of the home match with West Brom. We'll see you all very soon. Cheers. <laughs>